What's going on, everybody? Doug here, one of the hosts, producers, and creators of the John Review Light Podcast, bringing you all a review roundup episode this week. No full episode of the John Review Light Podcast this week. Uh, the boys and I will be back next week with a very special episode of the podcast. Uh, Nick and myself will be going to a very special IMAX advanced screening of Doom Part 2 this Sunday. We are so stoked for this movie. Uh, you know, we're all big Denis Villeneuve fans. We all love the first Dune movie. So next week will be a full episode dedicated to the filmography of the legendary director, Denis Villeneuve. And of course, Nick and myself's review of Dune Part 2. Like I said, we are so stoked. You know, we're all big IMAX fans. We're all big Dune fans. We're all big Denis Villeneuve fans. So it'll be a very special episode. But in the meantime, I have a very special review roundup episode for you all this week. I'll be reviewing uh, the new Bob Marley biopic, Bob Marley, One Love. As always, guys, you can find the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcast needs met. We also have a full audio show on our YouTube page, youtube.com backslash Midway Avenue Productions. Whether on YouTube or Spotify or Apple, please rate, review, please follow, subscribe. We want to hear from you guys. Are you liking the show, not liking the show? Are you neutral? What do you want to hear more from us? We are always open to hear your comments and feedback. Trust me, we value your feedback and your support honestly means the world to us. But please, don't be shy. Rate, review, subscribe, follow, share us with your friends, fellow podcast lovers, family, whatever, co-workers. We want to hear from you guys. But seriously, the support means the world to us. And in honor of your support, we have a goal of hitting 200 followers. Oh, sorry, 200 ratings on, sorry, 200 ratings on Apple Podcasts as our goal. We want to hit it by April. So we'll be doing a giveaway of an Amazon gift card. So comment rates on apple Podcasts. we want to hear from you guys seriously that's how we get our more traction to the show uh so yeah amazon gift card giveaway but we got to hit 200 we want to hit 100 at least by march and 200 by april so please rate comment on apple Podcasts. we want to hear from you guys and seriously that will help us out so much so thank you guys so much for your ongoing support it truly means the world to us Again, enter that giveaway, and I'll be DMing you with the, the winner and the code of the gift card. So look out for that. All righty, guys. Like I said, on this week's review roundup episode, I have the review, my review of Bob Marley, One Love, a movie that I've been super excited for since I saw the trailer, actually, the teaser trailer for it. I want to say back in July, when it debuted right before the uh, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1 screening I went to. And I think I knew it was coming, but I was like, didn't we kind of follow the stories much? You know, I'm a Bob Marley fan. I'm not a diehard big, or big Bob Marley fan, but I do love his music, a lot of his songs in his catalog. And I love his, uh, you know, message about peace, love, and positivity. And also, I had a really cool Bob Marley shirt that I wore all the time. It was navy blue with like a Jamaican flag, and it was, it was a picture of Bob on it. And I wore that like literally like all of like eighth grade and like I think most of high school. I got on a cruise. I went to the Bahamas. I love that shirt. But, you know, his message of peace, love and positivity, something that I definitely embody or, or I try to embody in myself. You know, like it's very important that, you know, to this very day, this movie takes place in the 70s. On, you know, the rise of Bob Marley and the Whalers, like the whole his whole legacy and his music. But I do think the message of peace, love and positivity and unity is as important as it is today and as someone who wants to spread positivity and love stories about that i was definitely sold on the trailers but also just getting at the legacy and his message so let's get into it shall we so like i said i remember seeing the trailer back in july and i said whoa i had to see this movie as soon as possible i was just like floored by it i was like if a trailer can get me that hype for a movie 
don't care whether it's a biopic, drama, sci-fi, history, whatever, action, comedy, you got me. You got my money, I'm there. And I was super stoked for it. It was coming out in January at the time, but then got pushed back. So I was like, wow, the trailer gave me goosebumps. These stuff is music. I didn't really know the actor playing him at the time, but I knew it was the guy making uh, who made uh, uh, King Richard. And Brad Pitt was producing it, had a great set of writers. I was like, okay, I'm there. Day one, I'm there. So, but I was worried a bit because I think the embargo dropped right before the movie came out and the reviews were not good. I mean, they were like in the low 30s. I want to say that it's still in the low 30s. It might have gone up a little bit. I'm, I'm going to check it right now. I think it's in the... All right, it went up a little bit. It's in the low 40s, so not the best. But again, audience score, 92%. And I think a lot of people are listening to more of the audience score more than ever the past couple of years. So critic score, eh. Audience score, better. But, you know, you'll hear my full take on it during this review. But you want, as always, start with the good, start with the pros. I think Kinsley, Kingsley Benadir is a star. He's becoming one of my new favorite actors from Malcolm X and Regina King's When I in Miami. I didn't see him in the um, the show with, uh, Tr- I think it was about Trump on Showtime, but he, he did a pretty good Obama imp- um, impression, or sorry, Obama, um, uh, not character, but like, good job like playing um, our former president. Um, I remember seeing him in a small role in the movie called The Commuter. Not the best movie with Liam Neeson, but I remember seeing him in a small role uh, in that movie. And of course, he was one of the Kens in Barbie, and he had a great scene uh, during uh, the beach off scene in Barbie where he was like, um, if you're going to beach him off, got to beach me off first. I thought it was really funny, but like his like smile, his kind of like, energy was very kind of like um, infectious in the best way. Like you can tell he had a good time on screen, and I was like, Oh yeah, he's the one playing the playing Bob Marley. So I you keep an eye out for this guy, and it's really cool to see this kind of guy's prog- you know, progression of like, you know, he's a great example of working hard in, in entertainment in Hollywood. Taking small roles will definitely help you land a role like playing a legend like Bob Marley one day. And I do think that all the small roles he did, whether it's stuff you I mentioned or roles he had in the OA or even in um, uh, the movie called uh, King Arthur with Guy Ritchie. Again, he's definitely working his way up to become, an act, become a huge actor, household name. And I do think this role will definitely put him on the map for sure. And, you know, from what I, from other, what I heard from other podcasts, too, is that uh, he was handpicked by Bob's son, Ziggy, who, Ziggy Marley, one of the producers of the movie. And that's pretty high praise. If you were selected, hand-selected by the Bob Marley family, especially his son, that means you get to cut the attention of, you know, a lot of people. And I think that's really cool that as an actor, it must be very kind of humbling, but also kind of very just like rewarding too. And, you know, hearing him in other interviews, whether it's the Real Blend podcast, Breakfast Club, whatever, he's a very charming guy. He's very charming. He's very humble. He's very down to earth. He's very, you know, passionate about his career himself. And he's very, you know, very um, critical about himself too. And I was like, you know what? This guy definitely seems like a kind of dude that I would be friends with or kind of want to like hear more from him. So I'm definitely looking forward to seeing him more as an actor. I think he did a phenomenal job as Bob Marley. Like he embodies Bob Marley. He truly brings the spirit of Bob back to life. And, you know, I think it's kind of a bit of a hit and miss in musicals. I think, well, musical-based biopics, that is, I think stuff like in um, Taron Egerton and Rocky Man as Elton John, Bohem Rhapsody as Robbie Malik as Freddie Mercury, uh, I think Jimmy, Jimmy Fox as Ray, um, even the cast of Straight Outta Compton, when it's casted right, it definitely shows, and when it's casted incorrectly, 
it definitely shows even more. And I think this was a perfect casting. I think there was some controversy and backlash of him being a British actor playing a Jamaican. Again, as a white American, I don't know much really about that. But to me, just seeing it from an outside perspective, seeing it from a movie lover and also as a film critic, I was very impressed with his performance. I thought he did a great job. I thought his accent was very seemed very authentic. Uh, he was kind of doing a caricature, kind of like a, or a bad imitation, bad imitation of um, of him. He definitely has a lot of love in his performance. Like I said, he's not trying to like do like an SNL impersonation or kind of like a mimic of him. He's definitely trying to do, do justice to you know playing this icon and all the respect he has for the Marley family and making them proud. You know, I do think that he's a good job of definitely embodying uh bob and i think i think also if you see like the footage of bob on youtube whatever or old footage you can definitely tell like he definitely did his research and wanted to like you know do justice to the story and the legacy of this icon again the simple movements of like smiling the way he moved on stage really shows the commitment that he kingsley had for his performance and like i said you know i've seen other biopics i've seen other musical biopics where like you can tell like this is kind of like a half-ass impersonation or it was kind of just like a really basic performance. I thought what Kingsley Benadir did, it was something very special. And I do think he's definitely one of the hearts and soul of this movie. And speaking of that, I'll tell you what, Lashana Lynch in this is phenomenal. She blew me away. She plays uh, Rita Marley, uh, Bob's wife and the mother of his kids. I think she's becoming stronger and stronger as an actor with each role she takes whether it's in Captain Marvel, whether it was in uh, James Bond, No Time to Die. She's able to really embody the character she's playing. And I think this might be her best role to date. You know, I thought that she, I thought she was very really charming and obviously in Captain Marvel. I, again, I liked No Time to Die a lot. I thought she had great rapport and great chemistry with um, uh, Daniel Craig. But really, the amount of love she showed, despite what her character as Rita goes through, and what she's gone through, what she's going through is very moving. And you can tell despite all the odds and trauma that she went through, she wants, wants to continue to spread love and contribute to all that she has to her music and, part, and, you know, and the band of the Wailers, but also to love that she has for Bob, despite what Bob and her have gone through in their lives, both romantically, personally, and you know, career-wise. The intimate scenes, intimate scenes she has with Kingsley as Bob were really emotional. And her, ra her range in this is incredible. You can tell she's broken, yet she still has so much love for Bob, despite their history. And I thought whenever she was on screen, she stole the scene. She stole the movie. Like, I think her accent was, again, very authentic. You can tell, like, at Kingsley that, like, she was putting the effort. She did, she did her research on Rita. You know, she worked with her dialect coach to really bring this character to life. And, you know, obviously it's a real person she's playing, but again, she definitely does justice to Rita, also to the Marley family um, as well. There's a scene in the alley in this, where they're in Paris, was definitely one of the best scenes of the entire movie. Like I said, and she really steals the show with this scene. They have great chemistry, the two of them. And I thought that, you know, whenever they were on screen together, I felt the love, I felt the passion. I felt like they wanted to tell this story with all the justice in the world, they want to tell the story as actors who really care about the material. You can tell they're probably fans of Bob and the music and you know Rita and the Whalers and the legacy of this family that like, hey, this is really important to us. I never felt that. I never felt like they were phoning it in or just like, look, another Hollywood role for us. Look at us. No, you can tell the love and, and passion was there in the performances throughout the entire thing. What I really noticed too right away was. The cinematography by Robert Ellswood, who is a legendary cinematographer. Uh, he worked with um, 
Ronaldo Marcus Green, the director, writer of this movie, did King Richard. He worked on that movie as well. And I was hearing a podcast on Real Blend. Great show, by the way. Sean, Jake, and Kevin do a great job on that show. And Sean, one of the managing editors at Real Blend, as well as the host, one of the hosts of the podcast, was talking about that. Uh, talking to Ronaldo, and Ronaldo was saying that uh, he met Robert. I was with his cinematographer at a Sundance thing years ago, and they became my really close friends. And that, like, the only guy that he trusted with this material was Robert Ellswood as the cinematographer. But the way that he's able to kind of capture Jamaica, I, I was really floored by the cinematography at the moment the movie starts because Jamaica, the way he's able to capture Jamaica, really felt like a ter- character of its own, and all the scenes felt really intimate. And again, I like that. Again, this movie was shot on Jamaica, on location. It wasn't a green screen. It wasn't Miami. It wasn't L.A. for Jamaica. Like, they went to the, you know, source of the story, the material. Because, again, if it wasn't, I think we all would have noticed. And it really feels kind of cheap with a green screen or kind of like a Atlanta for Jamaica. It just it wouldn't have felt, like, really authentic or, like, I think true to the story. But, again, all the scenes felt, all the scenes felt intimate. And the way he captured the recording scenes and music scenes alone, I thought were done masterfully. Again, he's legend. I think he's he won an Oscar for There Will Be Blood. He's again a legendary cinematographer. He's a master in his craft. And I thought that this was a perfect pairing of the story with cinematography. And you know what? Going on from about the Whalers, the ensemble of the Whalers, the cast playing the Whalers was magnetic. I think I felt very similar with the band with the NWA and Trader Compton. Like everyone worked so well together. All of them had great chemistry together, despite not having like the big roles. But being ensemble, being the Whalers, is definitely one of the hearts and soul of this movie as well. I thought they were all. I thought they truly felt like a real band, and they all contributed to the music element extremely well. And I really liked seeing them all together reenact the recording sessions and concerts because again, it felt true to the story. It felt authentic. It felt authentic. But again, it's definitely the DNA of Bob's career is. Bob Marley and the Whalers, like how they be, how they recorded stuff, how they be, made their album, how they made Exodus, like that really is important to the story. And if they casted like you know like like A list actors, it probably would have been distracting. But like a lot of these actors playing the ensemble of the Whalers, it wasn't distracting. It felt natural. It felt authentic. And I was really enjoying whenever they were on screen together, whether we're not recording, whether it was hanging out in London or in the house, kind of talking about music, whatever. I liked the kind of just like the camaraderie they had with all each other. And again, it really added to the, to the DNA and the kind of like the profile of the movie itself. I like the uh, actor playing James Zorn. He played the producer, uh, Chris Blackwell, which I kind of learned about after seeing that he's also in a J- Jamaican British um, uh, uh, producer. And, but what, this is more of a con, but I'll bring it up now, is that I do wish they could have explored more of him with Bob because I like the chemistry they had with, uh, he had it with uh, Kingsley Benadir as Bob. And I like that when they, we were talking to each other, it felt like, you know, it was the producer talking to, you know, the musician. And, you know, you can tell, like, Chris had a lot of love for Bob and was kind of very protective of him, too, to make sure that, you know, he doesn't get caught up in the wrong thing or doesn't kind of, like, uh, you know, get hurt or you know get caught up in the wrong in the wrong you know kind of crosshairs of what was going on in jamaica at the time and the chemistry was really 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 kind of charming between the two of them speaking of characters the music itself is a character of its own i i didn't feel the music was you know i think again other musical biopics and other like you know other movies based on music and bands whatever or shows based off bands I don't always feel like the music was a character. It's, oh, look at the music. It's our, you know, it's our bread and butter. I felt the entire time in this movie that the music was a character of its own. 
I do think like stuff like Walk the Line or Bohemian Rhapsody, like music's there. And even the most recent Elvis biopic with Austin Butler, the music's there. But like it's the music's kind of more like the scope and spectacle of it all, which again, it's very entertaining as an audience. You, if you go for that, you go for that. A lot of people do like that. However, I thought the music in this was a standalone character through and through. I get a lot of props to director, uh, you know, again, Ronaldo Marcus Green for you know emphasizing the importance of the music enough to make it a character and that would stand out, stand alone from Bob and the band, like band and, and the band, Wailers and Bob, that is their music. But if you take them out in certain scenes, the music's still present and it's definitely a really, really crucial part of the movie and the storytelling that it definitely stand out, stands on its own as its own character throughout the entire runtime. I think it's a lot I mean, all the time. I really do. I, you probably stuck with me hearing this now. I really give a lot of props to Paramount Pictures that this wasn't a streaming movie. This could have been really a Paramount Plus original, whatever, made to streaming that like, hey, you know what? We're, we're, we're going to dump it on Paramount Plus to get subscribers. You know, we have a big bar volume biopic. Come look at us. We're, we're going to promote it everywhere. Boom. There is definitely a commitment from Paramount Pictures and also the Molly family that they were committed to a theatrical release of this. Despite the negative reviews, I do give a lot of props that, you know, even movies like this, not the big blockbusters of like an Avengers or, you know, Argyle or what Spider-Man, Black Panther, whatever. Um, I don't think Wells came out like this year, like The Beekeeper or whatever, or, you know, let's go Doom Part 2. Like this still, it, these movies are still important for the big screen with an audience, theatrical release. And again, this really could have been like, look, Paramount Plus has a new Bob Marley biopic. Let's check it out. No. And and again, you know, again, the box office, I think it made like $55 million, I want to say, like over the over the course of uh, uh, Valentine's President's Day weekend, holiday weekend, which is like from Wednesday to like Monday. And they did pretty damn well. And despite negative reviews, there definitely was an audience for this. There definitely was a hunger or kind of like, you know, an attraction to a Bob Marley biopic. So it definitely shows commitment from the studio and from the Marley family. Like, hey, what? This movie was made for the theaters. And Ziggy Marley opens the film saying how much this movie means to him and his family, that they were very involved with the production and, the, you know, they're all producers of the movie too. So it's definitely refreshing to make sure that, you know what, even the biopics are still made for the theaters of the big screen. And, you know, I saw by myself, I went to the theaters on a, on a Monday during the holiday and I went in like around noon, whatever, and there was no one there but me. So I had a nice private solo theater and no complaints. I thought it was very intimate at times, me watching kind of this like, behind the scenes i felt very kind of like my first person kind of like i was like observing the the life of bob marley like as an outsider again could have been better with an audience too i'm not i'm not denying that but to me it was definitely kind of experience of seeing it on my own with my spot myself in a, in a solo theater and you know i'll end on this with my pros and my goods of course um uh, it seemed like that you know ronaldo, ronaldo marcus green the director right of this is that he has a love for making biopics or movies about you know true icon true stories like and he made king richard that got Will Smith his, you know, first Oscar win, and then this back to back. So I'm very curious to know if, if he's going to do more biopics or more stories about, you know, inspir or you know, biopics or movies based on true stories. Because again, I think he definitely has a good eye for telling stories, whether it's King Richard or whether it's this. And if he does, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing more of what he does. Or again, he does something away from the biopics and historical dramas. I'm there too. I think he's good. I think he has a good eye for storytelling and definitely has a good eye for telling, uh, you know, movies based on true stories, true events, and true people. However, 
I probably do have a lot more cons than I do good. And I remember walking into this, I was hearing the same thing. The movie is messy. The pace is messy. And I was like, huh. It definitely didn't, you know, deter me away from seeing this. But it def I don't want, I definitely didn't make it any better. I'll say that. I will say right off the bat, this movie is definitely an example of the trailers being better than the actual product or movie, movie itself. And there's, I think like we're seeing that with Argyle, I disagree. I think Argyle was a great movie, a lot of fun. But again, Teach Throne, all film is subjective. But the way I felt seeing the first trailer for this movie, and I avoided the second trailer because I wanted to go in like more blind. I was sold by the first trailer. I had goosebumps. I said, I cannot wait for this movie. It's going to be the best, probably the best movie of 2024. I feel it. I can't see it. I still feel that way after seeing that trailer back in July. The, tra- the trailer that I saw right before Mission Impossible was one of the best trailers I've ever seen in my life. And it did not live up to the hype of that trailer, unfortunately. This movie definitely has a major issue with its structure of storytelling and what it wants to accomplish telling. Like I said, I was hearing before seeing it that it's all over the place, it's messy, it doesn't know what it wants to tell, what story it wants to tell. And I completely agree with everyone saying that. The 44% Ron Tomatoes, it's weird. I definitely feel more positive than that, but I can definitely see why that movie got that rating. I can also see why the movie got the 92% on audience score because there's so many people that are just big Bob Marley fans. I mean, his music is timeless. It, it still holds up today. I was playing his music the other day when I was cleaning up the house, playing in the background, I was doing you know errands, whatever. So I can see both sides of the argument. However, this movie is all over the place in terms of pacing, three-act structure, which seems to be, again, the common thing people are, are you know docking this movie for. It jumps all over the place and his career and doesn't really narrow its focus on what story it wants to tell. You know, the movie starts off with a quick scene of him as a boy, young boy with his mom. And then it cuts to him already being established. What was going on in Jamaica? He's already, he's already a, you know, famous musician, whatever. And he's about to do this, uh, you know, this unity concert in Jamaica in 76. So like, okay, I first I was like, cool, wow, I definitely admire that. They're gonna do like the you know from life origin to death thing, but quickly on, I was kind of like, I kind of wish they did that instead, personally. And I I just do think that the movie should committed to that, or they really should committed to like this time. And you said the movie starts off with. 76 during the more during the sort of violent era in Jamaica, in Jamaica history Jamaican history um but this movie really jumps over the place and I mean it skips around a lot it had a lot of flashback scenes that I felt either didn't need to be included or pay or, or just paced poorly that did not help the pace at all the pace this movie I think is like two hours I want to say I want to give give or take two hours I'm checking IMDB right now just to make sure no 140 an hour 47 it feels like 215 almost two and a half hours at times and i was like oof where are we going with this the pace is off and i felt it right away and i'm like uh-oh it it skips a lot from the unit the first unity concert he's trying to throw 
and then it skips three months. He's in London, and then it goes back and forth between like more time in the future, then more time in the back in his past, and it was just all over the place. And I was like, "Well, hold up now, settle down, take a breath, focus." And by the movie skipping around so quickly and so often, or going back and forth from like past to present, a few months in the future, or whatever. It doesn't give us enough time to sit with that or or reflect of like what has happened in his life, how is this progressing toward forward, where's where is his career taking him now? It just goes all over the place. And I was like, oof, is this is not the best way to tell a story in general, but a biopic about a legendary musician, not the best way. And to me, I was like, oh, like, they're just going all over the place. And I do think, I had a bit of an issue with King Richard, too. I think King Richard had a long runtime, and it definitely dragged middle on to the end. The first half, I was like, oh, we're going. This is great. Here we go. But I do think Ronaldo Marcus Green had definitely has an issue with pacing in terms of storytelling and structure. And what I heard from other podcasts, and I said I, I, I was written down after the movie ended, was that it doesn't do the best job of educating people that aren't familiar with Bob Marley's life or his history. It just assumes that we know what was going on. Or you already know what's going to happen. You already know this happened. But as someone who didn't know, and a lot of people are saying like, well, I went in knowing a little about his life and a little about his music, but not the full story. The movie thinks we already know that. And that to me is like, you got to explain the movie as if no one knows who Bob Marley is. That's a very kind of weird thing to say, but again, what I think that Shreya Compton did, or what Ray did, or Rocky Man did, does a really good job of explaining, okay, here to here to here, who these people were, let's get on with it, what, what happened here, this part, this part, this part, and you know, Shreya Compton is a long movie, but that pace is paced perfectly, and they do a good job of explaining Dr. Dre, uh, Ice Cube, Easy E, Yella, MC Ren, and they spend more time obviously on the three Easy Dre and Ice Cube, but it does a way better job of explaining the, their stories than this movie did. And I do think this movie needs to take a, a few more drafts and then again help people help people explain. Yes, it's Hollywood, obviously they're like, liberties, whatever, but it just felt messy because I think what I was saying for myself is that. At times, I was struggling to put some of the pieces of the story together. And I don't like that as a movie goer or a critic. It just felt messy. And a lot of people are saying this felt messy because they just weren't spending enough time on things. And it was like, cool, jump, jump around, back, flashback, this scene, this scene. They should have took. They should have taken more time or had more drafts of a script because it just didn't feel finished. Or it was kind of ideas brainstorming together that weren't developed properly. You definitely feel that movie no matter what. And unfortunately, I think what I'm hearing from all of my fellow critics, all the fellow reviewers, is that it definitely suffers from a traditional biopic route. It doesn't really add anything unique or different from what we've seen before. It's definitely basic in terms of the biopic genre, and I really wanted it to be better. Given that I love that first trailer so much, I wanted it to be one of the best biopics ever. I wanted it to be up there with like Straight Outta Compton. Or Rocket Man for me, or Ray, and I'm not. I'm not the. I wasn't the biggest Elvis fan. I wasn't the biggest uh, Bohemian Rhapsody fan, but I really thought in my in my core that this movie is gonna really be one of the best biopics I've seen ever. 
not being a Bob Marley fan, I thought I was going to walk out learning a lot more of him. And I learned some things about him, but I kind of learned more things on my own after seeing the movie. For a movie that has four talented writers, I mean, Terrence Winter, Ronald Marcus Green, Zach Balin, and I'm blanking on the fourth guy, and I apologize. Three of them who I admire. I thought the script, like I said, needed a lot more work. It didn't feel epic or focused on the grand spectacle of, his, of, his, of Bob's legacy. It did feel watered down. And I know a lot of you are probably going to say, well, this was produced and the movie was consulted by the entire Marley family. Ziggy, his kids, his wife, his late wife, uh, Rita. And they definitely picked and chose what they, what they could say in this movie. And I do think that when they're involved there definitely is some restrictions or guidelines you can tell a story but you can say this 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 you can't say x y z and these things and you definitely see that in this movie for sure because i know i was hearing things before that oh like his he was a cheater he had a few affairs there was some not good as good things about him and this movie definitely is like the more positive thing of his life and what he what, what he accomplished i get it it's it's hollywood you know again you when you're when you're Families producing this movie, you want to have a good, good, you know, impress, you want a good impression of their fa- of their father, their her late husband. I get it, but again, I think what people docked Bohemian Rhapsody for was that the similar thing that they want to they want to see more of them exploring pre Mercury's you know dark history and dark path and what went what he went down stuff like that. But again, when people are very heavily involved that were close to someone who's longer here is you know that's it i do think the the whole different thing and it's not trying to open a can of worms but you know they're making the michael jackson biopic right now and i believe the family's very involved with that too and despite everything that's happened after he passed away whether it's the the neverland documentary about the the victims whatever that's probably a similar thing where it's going to be the people who are close to the family or in the family are watching that movie are 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 guarding that movie very closely and consulting, making sure that nothing kind of like nothing kind of bad is going to happen to those to those guys, and you know, that's Hollywood. That's biopics for you. So, you know, I I just do think that I learned a lot more after seeing the movie on my own. They do barely they barely mention things about his affair, other things that they probably didn't want to go into detail about. But there's some things that if, if you blink or look or you blink or you're in the bathroom, or whatever, it's a split second. And if you miss it, you'll, you'll miss it. Like, and I, and I said, why I'm thinking like, why include that in the first place? If you were told not to do, not, not to, not to include these things, why even bother to try, try to attempt to put it in the movie kind of makes really no sense. And I was like, it just felt, it felt edit, edited very strangely. Like this movie didn't know what its voice was at times, and it definitely shows all through the editing. And I do that through the eyes of the editing. It had a problem of like what story they were trying to like you know convey at times. Again, it could be the storytelling of the directing of the writing, whatever. But the editing was very choppy at times, and I was like, this movie needed either a better editor or more time given to tell the story because it kind of felt choppy at times. There are a few things I felt very repetitive in terms of flashbacks. And it happens a lot. And I, I don't want to like spoil anything, but there's a scene where I'll say fire in a field and they really go back to it again and again and again and again. And I first, like, I understood why they were doing it, but they did it a lot throughout the entire movie to a point where I was like, okay, that seemed like enough. I think it was just, 
unnecessary at first. It was definitely help, help, assisting, helping the story, but it just, they do it a lot. And I had to do it like throughout the entire movie and it felt really repetitive. It felt like we were watching almost like a first rough cut of movie at times. I'm like, I get it. We get it. We understand what this means, what this tries to embody, tries to like explain, or tries to like, you know, convey, but them doing it a lot and them doing it a lot kind of back to back it just felt really repetitive and it was hurting the the tone of the movie hurting the pace of the movie quite a bit there's also something that i, I kind of thought was like wait huh there's a there's a flashback of when the way that bob and the whalers were starting out before they were big and it's established that bob's already a grown man rita's already already having pregnant with the first kid and they're already they're they're banned already you know they're they're going through like trying to get noticed trying to get attention or whatever there's a different actor playing bob but he's already supposed to be a grown man and the actor is like re- is much shorter than kingsley benadir and the whole time i'm like that's supposed to be bob but he's already a grown man and then we see kingsley already as bob who, who's getting a grown man it did not add up and i was like why does Give Bob, why does cast have Kingsley just you know not have the dreads and like uh not and have a beard because but young Bob didn't have dreads he didn't have he didn't have like facial hair just give get Kingsley you know clean shaven and you know just have don't have the dreads um you know to him it was and they did it a lot I was like that's supposed to be Bob but like he's already a grown man why did two different actors playing him it kind of made no sense I was like this kind of feels just like not thought through. And I was like, Oh, right. I guess. And again, the height difference is definitely noticeable and very substantial to a point where I was like, this kind of makes no sense. But again, maybe I'm missing something personally, but I was very confused by it. I was like, all right, sure. Whatever. This, I think what the, my biggest takeaway from this is that the movie should have really been focused on a certain point of his life and kept the focus on that or again or like i said do the standard biopic trope starting from the very beginning of his life born origin the very end by then jumping around all around back and forth months later back and then year or two later and then flashbacks again it's not good storytelling and that definitely goes against why structure and pace in films and filmmaking is very crucial and very important it's almost as if this movie didn't want to follow that and that was a mistake because they totally should have. And what I learned in film school and all my years working in entertainment is that how important structure, three-act structure, linear story, not linear story, but like storytelling and following that structure or having a three-act you know, storytelling, how crucial it is. And this movie, I think, wanted to be something unique and wanted to like, go against, go, go, around, go, go around that box and be something like, oh, we'll, we'll do this instead. It's going to work. And yes, it works at times. It definitely does. But for the most part, it just was, it's messy. It's messy. But there is a good movie within this movie. I, I do believe that. And there's parts where I was still thinking about after seeing it. But it just didn't really feel like the movie knew or had to approach a Bob Marley biopic. And I do think if the movie had a few more drafts, maybe had a better pace or just had a better idea of what story they wanted to tell, 
it probably would have been one of the best biopics we've ever seen. I truly mean that. But to me, it just kind of felt the land at times. But again, there are really good things in it. Like I said, Lashana Lynch is a star. Kingsley Benadir is a star. The cinematography is beautiful. It just didn't really know what movie it wanted to be at times. So with that, I'm still giving it a fresh review, fresh rating. I will definitely give it a 6 out of 10 and or a 3 out of 5, uh, whatever you kind of rating you guys, you guys do. Uh, but I do think this movie needed to have a few more edits or a few more just kind of like tweak, a lot more tweaks to it. But again, if you're a Bob Marley fan, I still think you go see it. If you are curious at all, still go see it. Uh, but I, w- I would say go in cautiously because it's not the movie that I think the trailers were selling it as at times. But there are a lot of there are good things about it that was uh, that would like would watch again like certain parts. I, I think I would watch the movie in certain parts, whether it's the scenes of the band, them recording some of the songs for Exodus, the scene between uh, Bob and Rita with with, with Lashana and Kingsley. But it just it's, it disappointed me at times. But I said, it's a movie that I still will give, I think, a 6 out of 10, I think, would be well we give it. So, yeah, guys, if you're a Bob Marley fan, definitely check it out. Um, and, you know, I think, I think what, I'm, I mean, I don't know. I mean, other movies are coming out for biopics. I don't know what else is coming out. I do think last year, I'm trying to think, was there any biopics last year that came out? I think the last big one was Elvis. And... I thought Austin Butler did a good job with Elvis. I'm not, again, not an Elvis fan either, but I definitely kind of understood the story a lot more, I think, with that movie than I did with uh, Bob Marley and One Love. But I really do think what Taron Egerton did is Elton John Rocketman was very special. And I was very kind of disappointed that he didn't get nominated for an Oscar, even though Rami Malek did. I thought Rami Malek was very good in that movie, being in Rap- Bohemian Rhapsody. Didn't love the movie either, but I do think I felt kind of similar to that. Kingsley Benadir did a phenomenal job as Bob Marley. There's no question about it. So, but I'm trying to think if there's other any biopics coming out this year that I'm like, I'm aware of. And I do think to me, my favorite biopic is still Straight Outta Compton. Music, musical biopic, that is. I love that movie so much. I remember seeing it at a screening when I was in high school with Joel. And we were just like, this movie is fucking awesome. Because we were huge NWA fans. You know, I grew up with Ice Cube, Dr. Dre, Easy E. Uh, and I, a movie to me just is literally one of the most exciting, thrilling biopics of all time, and one of the best one of the best movies I've seen in my lifetime. I'm trying to think what's coming out biopics. I still have seen Maestro. I will say that. I will say that. I I still gotta watch that movie. All my love for Bradley Cooper, and hopefully, <laughs> you know, we'll see. <laughs> that's, that's a whole different thing. And you know what? I'm not an Amy Winehouse fan. I'm not. I mean, again, I'm not familiar with her music as much. Uh, but I tell you what, the trailer that showed before Bob Marley, which was Back to Black, the biopic of that movie of Amy Whitehouse, definitely intrigued me. If it's gonna be a good movie, we'll wait and see. But I'll, I definitely was intrigued with the trailer, not knowing much of her story either. But yeah, guys, if hope you enjoyed my review of Bob Marley One Love. Let us know in the comments, uh, you know, comment section on YouTube or Spotify, Apple, or Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast needs met. What are your, some of your favorite music, musical biopics or biopics in general? Did you love Bob Marley One Love? Did you, did you not like it? Do you feel similar similar as me? We want to hear from you guys. We'll see, again, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We're having our giveaway for our Amazon gift card. So stay tuned for that. If you're entering, again, comment. Let us know. 
But thank you guys so much for the ongoing support. We have a lot in store for you for March. And as always, we'll see you at the movies.